Welcome to Dire Desires, life lessons from classic erotic thrillers. I'm Molly Weisenberg. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And I'm Abby Circotella. This week's movie is Body Heat. I don't think I looked up who the director was for this movie. Does anybody Ooh. know? Yeah. Written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Oh. Famous what director. Else, what else did he do, guys? Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, my gosh. A big I had deal. no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. All and right. a lot well, of other stuff. He made this movie in the, the, the height of his fame, I guess, then, in 1981. That makes this movie almost 40 years old. I kept thinking about that. I know. I was that. thinking about that when, when we were watching it, and I don't like it. <laughs> well, and, and what's weird about it, too, is when I think about you know what it was like to watch a movie that was 40 years old when I was a kid, right? I mean, that, that was like the, the beginning of movies, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Wait, I mean, it wasn't, but kind of, but for the room? sake of yes ending, yes. <laughs> Body, Heat. Body Heat was one of the first ever movies. <laughs> no, 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 guys, I'm talking no, about... No, 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 no. No, like when I was a kid, if I were watching a movie, it would have been made in the 40s. There weren't movies Right, Molly, Molly was saying that like a movie from 1941 is from the beginning of movies, which is also false. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, this movie but, but stars... we can all agree Body Heat was the first movie. <laughs> It was right? the first movie. It's our first good movie, that's for sure. Yeah. I, oh, it's um, our first good it's movie. It's our yes. first good movie. I'm really curious to hear more about this. Hang on. Wait a okay. minute. So this movie stars Kathleen Turner, Ted Danson, uh, William Hurt, and Mickey Rourke. Was this like William Hurt's first big thing? I think it was his first big thing. I think it may have been his second or third movie. It was. It was Kathleen Turner's first movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. it was real introducing. And how interesting that uh, that this week again we've we're, we're we're contending with Mickey Rourke. I didn't know he was going to show up in two of our movies. I was I a little either. alarmed. Yeah, when anyway, I saw his name, I was angry, but it wasn't so yeah. bad. Yeah. Did you guys watch the trailer? No. Oh. I forgot to watch the trailer. How was it? I watched the trailer, and the only note I took was, wow, this trailer is long. <laughs> but, but it does have... It does have the tagline, the temperature rises, the suspense begins. Mm, nice. Oh, mm-hmm. I was thinking that uh, like to really get in the right frame of mind to talk about this movie, I should turn the heat up in my bedroom <laughs> to like 101 degrees because this movie is sweaty. Oh, there's so much glistening sweat. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering, like, what's the movie magic? Do they what do they spray on people to make them sweaty or, or were they actually just sweaty? Abby, do you know? Um, I'm sure they just use a water bottle, but according to my research, which is the IMDb trivia, said that when they filmed this, it was actually very cold. The production had to simulate oh. the heat wave of the film's story, the actors having to act hot in cold conditions. For example, the actors had to suck ice cubes before speaking to eliminate foggy breath. But I don't know if that's true. Wow. That's fascinating. That terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they had water continually sprayed on them, and it looked gross. So it opens... 
with an image of a fire and we see a man standing in an open window looking at the fire. He's he's sweaty, of course. Mm. We see that he has apparently just had a little romp with his girlfriend or someone. He apparently likes women who wear who, who wear uniforms. This is our main character, Ned Racine, played by William Hurt. I thought it was really interesting they chose the last name Racine. Is Spelled like... like the French playwright. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's so that's... random. It's such a random name. Definitely like one of my favorite French playwrights that I've totally heard of. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Can um, you say his last name with a French accent for the rest of the time, please? Racine. Uh, Guys, he was, I think. Ned Racine. I think he was a contemporary of Molière. Okay. That's Ted Danson's character? Ted, Ted, right. Exactly. That's Ted Danson's character. (laughs) All right. So in the next scene, we see our hero, Ned, in a courtroom getting schooled by the judge. We can deduce from this that he is like a small time lawyer and he's not very good at his job. And was this Judge Costanza? Maybe. They there kept... was a lot about Judge Costanza. There was. And every time they said <laughs> it, I laughed because like, it's funny how a name can be so closely associated with one character that you'll never be able to think of anything for else. Sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So in the next scene, we learn that he is actually good friends with the other attorney from that case that he was on. This character is played by Ted Danson, also an attorney. They love to go out to lunch together at this like diner place called Stella's. Yes, and Ted Danson always drinks two iced teas. And complains about his wife. It's summer, there's a heat wave. Uh, in the next scene, uh, Ned goes to an outdoor concert where he's sort of wandering around mm-hmm. behind the audience and he meets the Kathleen Turner character. We learn her name is Maddie and we learn very quickly that she is a married woman. The dialogue in this movie is uh, is pretty good, right? What do you guys think? It is. Yeah, I was excited about it. She has like a famous line that she says to him. You're, oh. you're not very smart. I like that in a man. Yeah. Yes. It's quickly established that her husband is only around on the weekend. They have this nimble banter right away. They're walking along a boardwalk now. We learn that she lives in this wealthy part of town called Pine Haven and that she is well tended in the garden. <laughs> She spills her drink all over her chest, right over her heart. Wait, and it's not it's not a drink though. It's a snow cone. Did did it? either of you like call as soon as as soon as he bought her a cherry snow cone? We were like, she's wearing a white oh, yeah. dress and eating a cherry snow cone. Yeah. This is a bad idea. And then boom. Yeah. I was just so surprised that when he asked her if she wanted a drink, that what he bought her was a snow cone. Like I thought they were going to go to a bar. I thought she asked for it and she was like, no, but I'll have one of those if you're buying or something. Cause it was like a little, yeah. a little stand right there. Oh, I, maybe and I then, nodded like, off for a few seconds. <laughs> uh, the next time you see Ned Racine, uh, he's wearing a bright red shirt. And, I was, <laughs> and of course my first thought was like, Oh, like it's, it's like snow cone proof. <laughs> I'm not letting that happen again. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is up to this point, we see Ned as this kind of like bumbling lawyer, seems kind of, I don't know, bumbling, I think is the word I'm going to stick with. Absolutely. But then all of a sudden, he is just, you know, like able to get in with this witty lady who seems to really like him and be into flirting with him, uh, I guess because she likes stupid men. And anyway, when... 
Well, and that's sort of foreshadowing, right? It is. It is. Yeah. And And I don't don't know if I would call him bumbling. He didn't seem like dopey. He just seemed kind of slimy, maybe? I don't know. Ash and I were a little bit confused at this point. Like, Ash felt like he almost seemed too cute tender almost at the scene like right where you see him at the outdoor concert before he meets her like Mm -hmm. he seemed to have sort of a I don't know Ash was reading a kind kind of of innocence on it okay I mean I think like if I had to describe his personality in one word it would be sweaty Yeah. Greasy. So she spills the drink. She asks him if he wants to lick it off. He goes into a bathroom to get paper towels or something, comes back out, and she's gone. Thus ensues a real obsession. He starts looking for her all over. Oh, yeah. He got ghosted. Was that the first ghosting? I think it was the first ghosting. (laughs) first movie. It's the first ghosting. Yeah. That the first ghosting happened in the first movie. Yeah, I don't really remember anything before 1981. Is it possible that's just like when when God created the earth? <laughs> I think I think you're exactly right. So he goes to a bar in Pine Haven, her town, finds her alone at the bar. Again, they're talking about how hot it is. Then they talk about this list of things. Her <laughs> body temperature, which mm-hmm. is uh-huh. 100. <laughs> She says the engine runs hot. Right. (laughs) I love this. They talk about all the men who come on to her in the bar saying things like, you shouldn't wear that body Mm -hmm. if you don't want to be hit on. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait. I thought he was like genuinely saying that to her. I think it was maybe like 80% serious. That's, okay. that's how I read it. Because they keep going back and forth because a bunch of guys wanted that seat and he took it. She let him sit there and then they banter back and forth like, oh, you shouldn't wear that dress. And she's like, oh, it's just a blouse and a skirt. And then he's you like, you shouldn't wear that body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great line. I love it when a guy says that to me. Ooh, it happens all the time. All the time. Right? <laughs> it, it happened to me on the way into the into the grocery store today. I think it was because Yikes. I was wearing my face mask, so all he could see was my body. Couldn't see my Are you wearing a face mask and nothing else? Because <laughs> that That's is for sure a new genre of porn. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyway, hold on, guys. The other really important thing that they talk about is wind chimes. Yes. Oh, this movie <laughs> is so full of wind chimes. So many. Is there any movie that has more wind chimes no. than this one? This this one, the Oscar for best jet, best chimes for like best use of of wind animated sound devices. Mm-hmm. A lot of Oscars. I mean, it was basically like best supporting character. Like the wind chimes yes. were a character in this movie. Yeah, because she's like right, because like she mentions that she has wind chimes at the house, and then they go to the house, right? They go to the house. That's right, because he has said. I want to hear them about her wind chimes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they get to her house, which is palatial. They have some scintillating conversation during which he asks what's in her boathouse. And she says, a boat. And, <laughs> I love that. And then he touches all her wind chimes. Yeah, we get to see <laughs> that is so many of them. Yeah, he runs his hands all over all of them. And then he comes on to her, I mean, which seems like the logical progression to this evening. And she acts offended. She makes him leave. But what does he do? He leaves, but he lingers, looking in her windows, looking like a real serial killer. Some foreshadowing uh-huh. here. Then he breaks a window with a chair enters and they kiss passionately how did you feel about this i was sort of conflicted yeah 
because he leaves and he like stands by the car and I think he looks back at the wind chimes and then he approaches the door and she's just kind of in there with her arms crossed staring at him like she's been waiting for him to come back. Then she just kind of watches him and he goes ghost from door to window from door to window and then decides the best way is just to throw a chair through the glass door and charge yeah, her. Yeah, like I was like, like it was, it was confusing consent wise mm-hmm, and then also mm-hmm, I just kept thinking mm-hmm. about like that's a major repair. Like that's not going to be cheap and like you've got a hole in the side of your house yeah how does she explain that to the husband exactly especially well, when guys, they like later on start investigating every little thing the, the door being repaired is never investigated <laughs> nope well and then well so they start having sex on the landing of the stairs there's kind of a great shot there where you see her like lie back on this red carpet yeah the hair yes. is splayed out it's great but then all of a sudden they're actually on the bed the the carpet of the stairs and the bed are, are very interchangeable and ned who is on top of her looks down and says it's so right oh god i forgot about that line <laughs> me too yes. yeah. so great and then we got then this is pretty much where all the sex scenes in the book happen i mean in the movie happen. this is all the sex scenes in the movie happen within like a, a few moments here right yeah you're right that seems to happen a lot in these movies it's really a bummer i think that they have maybe one later on after they're like in cahoots with the plan but the actual there, sex scenes are really just a montage in the in this kind of first third sex yeah montage. I, I watched this movie uh in two parts and when i picked back up with it to finish i picked back up about halfway through and there were no real sex scenes from that point on there was just like you know her head on his chest kind of thing yeah. bummer yeah. Yeah, it was same. a real bummer. Anyway, there's a lot of like gazing out the windows, a lot of being shiny with sweat during this part. There's a lot of her black claw foot bathtub with gold fixtures. Yes. I love that black <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man, someday I am moving to Pine Haven. I'm gonna I'm gonna like make a rich widow by killing her husband. <laughs> and I'm gonna get a black clawfoot tub. Yeah, you need a tub that is as black as your heart, for sure. Yeah. You know, one thing that I found interesting in this part is that, and and this is why I really question the the notion that this is a really, that this is the best of the movies we've seen. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. But so, I mean, I, I think her manipulation of him is is pretty apparent right away because she goes from being this very self-assured commanding in control woman who is calling all the shots basically to now we get into some sort of relationship they're having where they seem very attached right away even though Mm. you know she seems to need no one as they're lying in, in this black clawfoot bathtub she says that she is afraid of her husband that he is small mean and weak and that she's so afraid so but like, she doesn't say character... why she's afraid i know right? her character like i mean i get that her character exists to manipulate for one goal but it just seemed very mm-hmm. easy to see through i was not surprised as i watched this movie continue yeah, well no i don't i don't think she was meant to fool us the audience yeah but she was just meant to fool William Hurt who is very dumb yeah and he wants to see what he like what he wants like he's looking for basically this for him to like be the hero I think because he sees himself as like this great lawyer when he really isn't and he he sees himself in a more glorified light so she's kind of allowing him to do that even though she never really says what she's afraid of right no 
But I mean, she does like like her husband. He's involved in like investments, mergers. Um, he owns he says, a like, hotel. A, Ooh, right. Like both property. both she and later her husband like say just like a long string of words that that are supposed to describe like how he made his money. It's very funny. Jargon, jargon, jargon. <laughs> they, they might have just sh- said Archimax. That would have been better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At one point, Ned arrives to visit her. She's got this uh, this gazebo in her yard, and there is a woman in it who, from behind, looks exactly like her. He learns that this is her friend Marianne, who's just visiting, like, overnight. And these two are very special friends. They even kiss on the lips, and they look identical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he says something what? to her, Wait. right? You don't have a friend like that? I do. <laughs> Oh, who is it? Oh, huh. Maddie talks about her husband's wealth and how she wishes he were dead. And so then Ned is like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to kill him. Yes, that's what we've been brought together. And she's horrified. So Ned furiously backpedals. Is anyone planning (laughs) to mention what he says, what Ned says to Marianne when he spots her on the gazebo and thinks it's Kathleen Turner? He's like, hey, lady, want to (laughs) fuck? Yes. I kind of loved that. Yeah, it was great. She gives him a hat, and um, <laughs> I forgot about that. It's a big hat. It's a really big hat. It's an important hat. Her husband's niece comes to visit, and and Maddie is kind of stuck with her. The niece walks in on Ned getting a blowjob from Maddie. Yep. Then Ned is kind of sad and takes himself out to dinner alone at a really nice restaurant. Random. Uh, yeah. Has- hashtag self-care. It kind of reminded me and- of the restaurant we went to in Oklahoma City. Right? Oh, the yeah. Metro? Didn't it? A little bit. And then uh, he runs into Maddie and her husband there. And the husband invites him to join them. And uh, during the meal, the husband is like insulting Maddie. This is when I think he's doing, a, you know, a completely incomprehensible description of how he's made his money and they're all chuckling about how she wouldn't understand right uh, the now, husband at one point of... the husband during this during this meal uh said you should have seen the uh like maddie's ex like the guy she was with when i met her he was a real dorcas oh yeah i didn't know that word existed and it's it would seem weird Today, if like he's like you know sixty years old to like hear like a sixty year old man say the word Dorcas, yeah, it felt like he wanted to say doofus and dork and like mixed it up. Like I don't know why they kept that take. Wait, you guys had never heard the word Dorcas before? <laughs> oh no no no! Absolutely, I've heard oh, the, I heard the word Dorcas. It seemed I didn't know that word existed yet in nineteen eighty one, and I I could not imagine. It seemed like a thing maybe like you know as a. a fifth grader would say yes totally not this guy uh, how dare you accuse me of not knowing the word dorcas yeah, oh, i'm me. sorry i i invented dorcas <laughs> wait abby did you not know the word dorcas the, no like, like i heard dorcas I, yeah because i know the word that as like a girl's name like d-o-r-c-a-s yes in seven brides for seven brothers she was my favorite dorcas and uh so as an insult i didn't know that <laughs> I remember learning uh, as a child, um, I remember meeting a young girl named Dorcas and thinking that like, I remember, you know, tittering behind her back. I know. Isn't that terrible? It's terrible. I mean, they named her that, I guess, knowing full well that that's an insult. So I don't know. But maybe they didn't know because they hadn't seen this movie. Yeah. Probably. So during this, this conversation, the husband just happens to mention that he would 
kill any guy who he caught sleeping with his wife. He, uh, the husband and William Hurt share a nice little joke about like, you know, jerks and opportunists who are always like horning in on his wife. (laughs) 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 Anyway, uh, so, you know, now we have firmly established somehow that Ned and Maddie are (laughs) deeply in love and she's tender and vulnerable. She's afraid of her husband. She's a, I think she even says at one point she's afraid of Ned. I don't even know oh. who she is anymore. But yeah, she's, they start dressing her much different. She acts completely different after their. Oh, like, I didn't together. notice that. Oh yeah, they dress her in like really tiny shorts and little blouses, t-shirts, and her hair is very like childlike. She doesn't dress in these like slippery, sultry oh, blouse and skirt heels anymore. She's slippery. Yeah, her clothes are. I feel like we're you know very sultry <laughs> and slippery. They're all silk. I mean, everything was slippery <laughs> yeah. in this town. So much sweat. So then uh, Ned and Maddie decide to kill the husband. This is the only way they can have what they want. And this time the conversation goes goes well. And the two of them are in it together. Maddie's going to inherit half of what he has. The other half is going to that niece who saw them going at it on the patio. And in this scene, they repeat the phrase, we're going to kill him a few times just to drive uh-huh. it home. And uh, and at this point, we were only 47 minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Mickey Rourke, who is lip syncing a Bob Seger song. That and... was so hard for me to understand. Like I didn't like I thought suddenly we were in a different movie. They did hold it, it for a long time. Yeah, it was like, a oh, rough he's just transition. Doing such a great job. Like let's just keep let's just keep this. <laughs> yeah, like like so... suddenly we're watching a movie about the time Mickey Rourke got really into karaoke. <laughs> Or not, not even yes. karaoke, like, yes. like lip syncing. But Mickey Rourke is a, a former client of Ned's who is now helping him to build a bomb and trying to talk sense into him because Mickey Rourke is now like a really uh, a really good guy, a reformed criminal. Yeah. And Ned- a reformed criminal who will help you build a bomb if you ask nicely. Yeah, not so. But he'll, yes. he'll like try and talk you out of it without very much gusto. Yes. Then Ned breaks into Maddie and her husband's house to try to kill the husband. This part is kind of, I was like, wait, what happened to the bomb? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I know. I was like, why are you breaking into the house? He almost gets caught. The husband's got a gun. Ned grabs a piece of wood that's appeared from somewhere and that's very sharp. (laughs) It looked like like a vampire steak. Oh, I think it was left over from when he broke the door earlier. <laughs> oh God! No, I think you're right. I think did they ever even fix the door? Maybe she had an explanation for the husband, like you know, oh, you know, the door's always been like that. He's like, I don't know, I'm never home anyway. <laughs> yep, it's so hot. We really just need a big window anyway. Yeah, so, we don't even need a house. <laughs> so Ned, as long as we have uh, a place to hang the wing chimes. <laughs> Ned apparently kills the husband and wraps him in plastic because that's what you've got to do with bodies. You've got to have a big sheet of plastic and then he shoves him into his trunk. Well, if you don't wrap them pretty quickly, they like dry out around the edges. It's gross. (laughs) Yeah, they get stale. Uh Um, There was like some footage of like a rental car facility here, but I couldn't really figure out which was the rental car. And I was... Oh, the, the whole thing with the car, I tried to piece it together I wasted a lot of time on this. Okay. Anyway, he hauls the body into the basement of of the Breakers, which is the husband's hotel. And here is where the bomb is, apparently. He detonates the bomb. The husband is dead. And he's tried to make it look like a... (laughs) 
Okay, guys, they, they <laughs> mentioned multiple times that they were trying to make it look like the husband died by arson. Hold on. There was a bomb. Like, arson yeah. is just lighting something on fire. It isn't bombing something. Well, but I think... Like, but fire in any way, and the bomb caused the fire, right? Yeah, and so it was a conflagration. So they're trying to make it look like... <laughs> He went there to set a bomb because the breakers is like he, he owns the property once the breakers is torn down or something. And so they're making yeah. it look like he's the arsonist and he just happened to die in this accidental fire. Was anyone else confused? And I know the answer is going to be no. It was just me about whether this was the same hotel that was burning down in the first scene. Oh, no, I didn't think about that at all. Cool. I thought, just it, was a restu- I thought it was a restaurant was it- that was burning in the first scene. Maybe. I don't remember. Oh, OK. Uh, anyway, like at this point, th- there's a lot that happens in the plot in a very short amount of time. But the gist of it is that Maddie and Ned can't see each other for a while. It's, it's unclear how long it's been. But Ned gets a call from the husband's attorney saying that he's got a copy of the new will there that apparently uh, apparently Ned himself drafted. So what we deduce here is that Maddie fabricated this new will to try to cut the niece out. Right, because Ned at some point had already said, like, we do not want to make a new will. That's way too suspicious. Yes. So Maddie used him, basically, said that he was the attorney who had who had drafted this will. And, and she took advantage of the fact that he was already known to be pretty incompetent around estate law. And she intentionally made a mistake in the will such that the new will was invalid and the husband died intestate, like as though there were no will. That's a fun word, isn't it? I like that word. It is fun. It is really fun. Anyway, so yeah, you know, everything seems great for Maddie. She's going to inherit all the money. Poor niece gets screwed. Ned, meanwhile, starts sleeping with Maddie again. The two of them are like, you know, hot and heavy going at it. His friends are trying to stop him. Uh, his his Ted Danson friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's one friend. Danson. Uh, and then Ted Danson is seen dancing on a pier <laughs> while yes. Ned is out jogging. And they needed to add a character quirk and they're like, Ugh, oh, my just, God. Let's just have him dance. I don't know. He's Ted Danson. Just have him dance. It yep. was so dumb. And, and William Hurt. Make him hurt. Yes. <laughs> and, and Kathleen, Kathleen Turner, Turner. Make her turn. <laughs> she turns She turns on Hurt. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. So anyway. That's right. Um, she did deep. turn on him. I don't want to spoil the ending here for any listeners who yes, may want to watch do. it. But, I mean, but in basically, a couple minutes you are. Ted Danson and the other attorney, I think the only black person in this this movie, Oscar. Oscar, yeah. Oscar is not a detective, but yeah. He's a detective, right. Okay. Oscar and Ted Danson have basically figured out all this stuff such that there's almost no way that Ned didn't do it. And they're closing in on him, basically. And Ted Danson kind of gives him a heads up. And then Mickey Rourke reappears. We learn that Maddie has hired Mickey Rourke's character to build a bomb, which she has then rigged up to a door somewhere. So from this, Ned slowly understands that Maddie is going to kill him now. Uh Uh-huh. You want me to keep going? 
Oh, oh, oh! Are you really gonna like leave it hanging so, in case someone hasn't <laughs> then, seen the movie? No, right, yeah, no, let's go. <laughs> okay, no, no, let's let's spoil ninety five percent of the movie, but you then can, leave yes. the last scene in case All right. someone hasn't seen it. So okay, so um, you know there are so, but, tons of little details that we also learn along the way, like that Maddie didn't just run into Ned at that concert. That Maddie already knew about Ned. She was looking for someone like him to help her get this money. He gets a phone call from her. She says that there's there are like so many little details here. I don't even want to get into it. But basically, she tells him he don't needs have to. to go to the boathouse on her property. To Finally, get we get to see what's in this oh, boat. Man, I can't wait to get in the boathouse. He now knows that, you know, there's a door that has some sort of bomb rigged to it. So, uh, so you know, here is the moment we find out which door has the bomb. Well, it's going to be the boathouse, right? He goes to the boathouse. He sees the wire. He, he peers between the, the cracks of the door and sees the wire attached to the bomb. He anguishes over whether or not to open the door. I mean, he doesn't, I think he doesn't want to. He, he's, a, he's a romantic at heart, guys. I think he does oh, he doesn't want to believe that that she that she was going to murder him. I think he, yeah. I think he still doesn't want to believe this. So he finally does step away from the boathouse, and she comes to see what's happened because you know she was hoping to blow him up in the boathouse, and they have a little confrontation where basically he calls her out on all of this machination she's been doing, and she agrees to go to the boathouse like he kind of says like you have to go get the thing in the boathouse she agrees to go the boathouse blows up he thinks she's dead he winds up in prison but then he suddenly has this revelation that she's not dead he literally like wakes up in his prison bunk and says she's still alive So he believes that the body in the boathouse, which was identified by dental records to be Maddie Walker, he believes that this body is not actually hers, but the body of the friend who looked identical to her. Mm-hmm. He believes that that Maddie like stole her identity in order to do all these things and not get caught. And now Maddie has killed the real Maddie and the Maddie that is Kathleen Turner is revealed to be Marianne Simpson. And she's gotten off scot-free and run away with the money. And she is on an island beach with a guy with a thick accent. Yeah. The end. You think think she's going to bomb him next? I don't think she needs to. She's got the money. I don't know. I don't think she's going to be satisfied with just the money. I think it's, it's all about like... You know, the thrill of the chase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She did play a long game. A very long game. <laughs> I mean, Like, since seriously. high school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she had been plotting she, this since high school. If those two girls right, traded like she, places then. Yeah, like, she made this friend and was like, someday I'm going to kill this friend in, or- in order to steal my husband's money. And, right? But I have Perfect. to, like, find a, an old guy, an old rich guy. And then I also uh-huh. have to seduce a really incompetent lawyer. A few yeah, times? Yeah, I need, I need a sweaty, mustachioed, incompetent lawyer. Yeah. I need I need an older, rich husband who's into investments or mergers or something. I also need and another lawyer to teach me about law so I can go around the second lawyer. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who has the best plan in any of these movies? Because I think, like, <laughs> when we watch Body of Evidence, I'm like, this is a pretty stupid scheme that Madonna had, but... 
I think Madonna's scheme was actually a lot more practical than Kathleen Turner's scheme. Maybe, but Kathleen's the one who got away with it, which I was very excited about because I don't think that people, was great. Yeah, yeah, people don't usually get away with it, and I really was like, oh my gosh, is the detective going to walk up on her while she's sitting on the beach, or is it going to cut to credits? Like I was genuinely in suspense, and I was really glad yes. where she got away with it. Does anyone have any life lessons? Life lessons. It was weird to have a good movie, like a, a well-done movie that was, you know, melodramatic and over the top, but not to the extent of body of evidence. Like no one was being killed by sex, unfortunately. Oh, wait, unfortunately? Yeah, I really liked the like, I think at one point someone says like, are you going to kill him with sex? And I was like, oh, yes. that's true. But no, yes. they just. So I guess one of my life lessons is that the best way to kill someone is actually a homemade bomb. Because then you can really just frame somebody else. Like, you really, the, the blame is never really on you if you have a homemade bomb. They can never really find who did it. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. like, splatter evidence literally everywhere. <laughs> no. And if it not. And if it worked the first time, you should always do it a second time. <laughs> I know. I just found myself thinking, like, what is she thinking? She, she will have, her husband will have died by... <laughs> bomb-induced fire. Her, uh, this attorney will have died the same way. Does she really not think they're going to come after her? Well, and then, like, the cops are going to go to Mickey Rourke and say, okay, you're the one mad bomber in this small Florida <laughs> town. Did you have anything to do with this? He's like, nah. Uh, yeah, I really don't get what her plan was for the second bomb and why she even showed up back there. But it was really lit beautifully. It yeah. was. It was. Oh, my God. I loved that. Uh, the cinematography when she was walking away from him yeah. to walk toward the boat. Oh, house. that was amazing. That was yeah. gorgeous, right? It was her in white and everything else was dark. I don't know how they let her to look like that, but it was it was really beautiful. Um, uh, speaking yeah, of... Like, I like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of the bomb builder, it is my... A lesson that I learned here is that it's really handy to be a criminal defense attorney because you have access to lots of former clients who have important skills if you want to commit crimes. Oh, that is a really good point. So true. Yes, if you want guys. to break bad, you've got all of this help. Exactly. I feel like I would not use this to its greatest potential because like I think my first thought would be like, okay, I had a I had a uh, client who was like a 17-year-old kid who was convicted of stealing candy. I like candy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> got, any, got any tips on um, knocking over the Kroger? What kind of law was he in? Maybe he just did all kinds of law because he did the real estate and will and got off this criminal. Is that the same kind of lawyer? It's a small town. Okay. Which is known for its cool breezes. <laughs> well, of course. that's the, the wind chimes attract them. That's why she had the wind chimes because she usually has a cool breeze flowing through. I mean, Abby, you're a film person. What did the wind chimes represent? Okay. This is my theory. Because, okay. as you know, I like to look out for the siren songs in these oh. movies. And I, there was no instance of a siren song in this, which is weird because this is she's a specifically a siren to lure men to their doom and death. Um, so I decided that the wind chimes were a stand-in for the siren song because she actually used them to lure him to her house. I mean, besides that she wore her own body out to a bar. Um, <laughs> the awe. As opposed to somebody else's body. Yeah. Oh, she's working on it. Yeah. I mean, she sort of did. Um, yeah. So I feel like she used the wind chimes as her siren song to lure him. And also because she says something about how she had them out there 
in the hopes that a cool breeze will come through. And so maybe they're kind of some kind of stand in for like the future, the future freedom that could be. Mm. There you go. I'm almost convinced <laughs> by, by all the bullshit you just said. <laughs> Okay, I have a life lesson. This uh, this is something I learned just like in the first few minutes of the movie, which is that uh, back in 1981, when the world began, uh, the only available forms of entertainment were sex and watching a motel or possibly restaurant burn down. Ugh. Was there no architecture available? Oh, that's a good point. I'm not in not in Florida. <laughs> true. Well, there's also the outdoor concerts that you can wander in and out. Oh, that's true. Wait a minute. I have a life lesson that's related to entertainment. Okay. Um, every movie needs. It's a random clown. Every movie. <gasps> that, Guys, I forgot I, about that. What was I the clown didn't because doing I can't think about anything else. I don't what know. Was the cl- there was a clown in a car who drove by on the street as Ned was doing something with the rental car place and planning to kill the husband. What the fuck was the deal with the random clown in the car? When did the book It come out? Maybe, I think it was a, a little later, maybe. I don't know. So maybe Stephen King saw this movie and like, like, oh, there's like a scary clown in this movie for no reason. I have an idea. Was there a clown in yes. the other ones? In the other uh, movies we watched? Yeah. Stop ruining my life lesson, Abby. Just oh, embrace sorry. it. <laughs> I thought that's why you had that les- lesson because I thought you found it in another one. Oh, oh no. no. If there no. was a clown in all of these movies, like I would genuinely be afraid at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys, actually, there is a clown in most of these movies. His name is Michael Douglas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wait, you guys didn't see the clown peeking in the sex video beside Madonna? <laughs> I saw it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa, guys. I'm scared. <laughs> That's right. If you let the tape run to the end, you see the part where Madonna fucks a clown. Oh, God. And that proves that something, I don't know. That's a real erotic thriller. Uh, um, I think my other life lesson is that we should all be on the lookout for a body double, just in case. In case something comes yes. up where you need to frame someone for murder, you need to fake your own death. I just think a body double really- oh, that's a good point. Yeah, really comes in handy. And so we should all be on the lookout for our doppelganger at, at all times. Well, I mean, so William Hurt had like the like one of the two ingredients you need for a successful life. You need to be a lawyer who has access to a bunch of petty criminals that you can like get skills from. Mm. And you need a body double. And he only had one of those things. If he'd had like a, you know, a guy who was hanging out on his gazebo, he would have gotten away with it. Yeah. I thought that the girl Heather was going to point like like point the finger at him yeah. when she saw him at the police station because he makes a point to go over and introduce oh, himself. I think yes. I figured that out, oh, actually. Please. Um, I think he was like making a, a show of like introducing yes. himself to her and like putting his face in front of her face so that if she later said, that was the guy I saw, mm. like he can say, oh, you know, she just met me at the police station. Of course she's thinking of me. Oh, okay. Or like, why on earth would I have gone up to them and talked to them if I were guilty? Right, exactly. Yeah. That was the only smart thing he did in the movie. Yes. Oh, how that was quite cunning, I thought. Um, I have a life lesson. If you're in like a new relationship and it's starting to get stale and you think a murder is going to bring you and your partner closer together, think again. Because like right after they did that murder, they started bickering. You know, it's like they having just were a trying baby. To get back to the way things were. Yes, exactly. Just like yeah. you know, this is this this baby or this murder it's or not like you know having a threesome with this clown is going to like you know put the excitement <laughs> back in our relationship. It just never works out that way. Nope. And I can say all three of those things from experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
guys, I learned from this movie. Well, actually, I mean, I, I think that this this sort of goes for a number of the movies we've watched, but this one really specifically drives it home that men are so motivated by sex, they will go against like all reason, instinct, judgment, law, etc. to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew's I was like, I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about that because I was thinking like, you know, would I have like gone to Kathleen Turner's house to see the wind chimes? Of course. Yeah. At the moment she was like, and we should kill my husband. I'd be like, I have a pretty good deal going here right now. Like your husband is never home. I can like come home and quote, see your wind chimes anytime. Like let's not murder. Yeah. They don't have any like clear goal for like what this money could do for them. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, like with indecent proposal, I wanted them to like need fertility treatments or something, but really it That's... was just like, <laughs> like here, our house isn't made all the way, all the way. And we want to finish it and this was just I, I didn't know what they needed the money for they seemed pretty pretty cozy we mm-hmm. need to repair the oh, the, uh, the giant hole in the in the, in the front of our we house. need more wind chimes I mean, maybe that hat was pretty expensive i don't know oh like speaking of judge costanza like that that time in the seinfeld episode where there was a twenty thousand uh, dollar like mink hat <laughs> <laughs> they're like to keep up this hat budget we just need to kill the husband uh-huh I, he probably made his money in some sort of hat uh merger yes <laughs> I have one more. This was actually my favorite thing in the movie. Um, when uh, he and Ted Danson are, are like talking down on the dock, the, the lesson is that it is really annoying when there's a murder in your town and your friend, the police detective, just won't let it go. <laughs> Because Ted Dance is saying is saying to uh, to William Hurt like you know I don't know what, if you did this or not but like you know that guy that guy who, who died he was a bad guy like I would just assume like just let it go but you know Oscar our friend the police detective he can't let this sort of thing go I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> like the nerve of fucking Oscar always got to bug up his butt about something like he can't just let a murder go he always wants to find out who the murderer was what is wrong with Oscar uh, Oscar <laughs> even though the guy really oh deserved God. it yeah kept talking about how he was bad a, he was a small was. scary man or whatever she said and weak weak small mean a and small weak. weak scary man which I would say is kind of what Ned is also like yeah yeah she yeah. has the type Small, mean, weak. I liked that in the um, yearbook, her nickname was The Vamp. Yes, yes. me too. <laughs> Did that happen in yearbooks? I didn't grow up in this country, but do people get nicknames like that? Like best hair, most likely to succeed, and The Vamp? No. I mean, <laughs> it is true. No. But it is true that that people like students, high school students will try and sneak things into the yearbook that should not be in the yearbook. Uh. And like there's always some kind of controversy around this. Yeah. I thought she looked pretty wholesome in her picture, though. Yeah. But the nicknames tell all, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her heart was as black as her tub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did we think this movie was erotic and or thrilling? You know, I have to say the sex scene, you only we only saw her. She was face down. I liked that a lot. I thought that was quite sexy. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite sexy. A reveal first, right? Yeah. That was great. She, I mean, she, like her character really, I don't know, she did that well. That was a great scene. But that was like the only thing. I don't even remember the other sex scene. 
Yeah, there was there was like one before that though. Well, there was the one that was like on the stairs, and then maybe like proceeded to the bed. I can't remember. Like they were definitely too short. But I thought the sex in this movie was good. Like I like that they seem to be genuinely into each other, unlike many of the other movies yeah. we've watched. I like that they were sweaty, oh, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I liked and I liked that like you know obviously they had great bodies by like 1981 movie standards, but mm-hmm. not by you know 2020 movie standards and I like that they look kind of normal yeah yeah William Hurt was not particularly like cut or anything by today's standards and she she was on the small breasted side yeah um, but had really nice breasts and I would say had a very I mean she had a very tiny waist but otherwise had like just sort of like a really like nice looking curvy body yeah and they really liked to do because they didn't really do a lot of actual sex scenes it was a lot of before and after Mm because so you could just see them like how close they were to each other and so they would like to the camera would like kind of trace their bodies a lot and they really liked Mm -hmm. how long and lean she was but i wrote down that the sex was almost playful at times um which we haven't really seen yet i wish there were more of it I mean it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wish there were more. Of it. Well, I mean, as we've learned for all these all these movies, there's like 14 hours of footage. Yeah. Like Kathleen Turner has 14 hours. <laughs> oh yeah, hours I read of that for sure. In, in her yeah. fault, yes. <laughs> yeah. I I thought that it was enough of a thriller. Like I, you know, I definitely didn't see the twist coming at the end with the other Maddie. Yeah, I didn't either. Walker. Oh really? Did you you, did, you saw that coming? When the house blow or the boathouse blows up, I was like, oh, she's not dead. Because Mickey Rourke specifically says that she wants a bomb with a delayed timer. And so she can open the door and run away and not get blown up. And so once they find another body, you're like, oh, we already have a body double that was introduced an hour ago. And so obviously that's where that body double comes into play. Because they could never find yeah, her. Yeah, obviously. Well, they couldn't find her. <laughs> well, okay. well, they couldn't find her. They kept saying, like, oh, oh she was right. the other like witness. she was out of town. Yeah. Right. yeah. She was supposedly the other one who witnessed the new will. Once you introduce... A body double, she had better come into play. Well, a lot of these things just fell into place for me right now. (laughs) So thanks. But I was just excited that she got away with it. I definitely thought it was maybe not thrilling, but suspenseful. Like I was definitely into it and watching it. It was a little bit long, but didn't feel as long as the other ones. I did think that like the murder scene was over way too quickly and could have been a little bit more tension filled. Yes. Um, But yeah. There could have been more actual like combat. Yeah, or just like suspense. <laughs> yes, and like, I guess <laughs> I liked, I really wanted to see William Hurt against the old guy in the boxers. Like, that would have mm-hmm. been a great mm-hmm. fight scene. <laughs> I wanted like to, to like believe that maybe they were going to get away with it for at least like a couple minutes before it started obviously unraveling. Mm. Like, just to have that like hanging, hanging out there for a second. But whatever. It was, it was, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I do feel bummed now because I feel like probably we'll never watch a good movie again. But I guess we said maybe we would do Witness for season two if people if people demand season two. That's a Wait, good movie. Wh- what is Body Heat like known as? Like, is it known as a good movie? Is it is it known as an erotic thriller? I I don't know that I had ever heard of it before. I think this. it's it's known as an erotic neo noir because it's kind of a remake of Double Indemnity, which is a classic noir. Oh. 
oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh. Yeah, I've seen Double Indemnity. It's, it's very good. Yeah, no, I was I had heard of this movie. I knew the name, and I think uh, again, it was one of these movies that I saw like the poster for or the or the VHS box for in the video store when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and obviously was not allowed to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then I was surprised when I looked it up to to rent it, and it, it's a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So yes! then I was like, oh, maybe we got to watch a good movie. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, now I'm curious to go read some Rotten Tomatoes reviews of it and yeah. see, you know, because there were there were a lot of moments, uh, you know, l- like the moment near the boathouse when she was lit so perfectly. Um, there were so many moments when it was visually really beautiful. Yeah. Um, I believe, and I anyway. thought their dialogue was so fun. Like they had chemistry right away. Yeah. That that is the other thing. Like aside from like the sex itself being good, if too rare, they really had great on-screen chemistry, uh, you know, is like the opposite of like Madonna and Willem yeah. Dafoe, where it's just like, you well, know, we on. wandered into this movie accidentally. <laughs> how much, how much of like great chemistry do you think is the acting and how much of it do you think is the script because I think what gave these two the sort of electricity they had was that they had really great writing to work from I think it's both guys do we have electricity it's up to the listeners to decide (laughs) oh god (laughs) fine Uh, Matthew you and I have electricity Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's right. That's right. We do. Remember, remember that time you like I came up to you on the gazebo and I said, "Hey, lady, want to fuck?" <laughs> and then we then we had some like playful banter and like. And it, I said, "Wow, this is a friendly neighborhood." <laughs> <laughs> Visit Dire Desires on the web at diredesirespodcast.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. You can donate to our show at diredesirespodcast.com slash donate. Dire Desires is produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Music for the show is by Audio Nautics. Until next time, live erotically.